You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming with Pastor Keith Miller. Today's reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, starting at verse 22. And he said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet, God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet, I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God can so clothe the gra- but if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat or what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart also be. This is technically like me wrapping up this sermon series on, on God's generosity. And uh, I've really, uh, it's been good for my heart to just take time to think about this God who, who, who doesn't need to improve upon himself. He is perfectly loving. He is perfect, he's perfect in his grace. He's perfect in, in, he's holy. He's perfect in everything that he is. And, and as a God who is generous, he's perfect in his generosity. He does not need to improve upon himself. And and so this, uh, today we're going to look at you know, God and his generosity giving us a kingdom. But as I was thinking about this promise that Jesus you know, mentions in verse 32, he says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I don't know about you, but like last year, I was looking at my, note, my sermons from last year, uh, I was pretty much anticipating that this pandemic would be over by now. Anybody with me on that? Like, you're like, this time last year you thought, yeah, the, you know, next Christmas will be normal, right? Um, like, we're not going to, nobody in our family is going to worry about social distancing anymore. We're not going to be hearing about vaccines or masks or whatever else. Um, and so, I don't know how you're feeling about all that, but uh, I, I like, um, I mean, you have motivational statements, and uh, the thing that I really enjoy are demotivational statements. I don't know if you've ever seen them before, but I'm going to share four of uh, the ones that I came across this week that I thought, yeah, this, this is very appropriate for the time that we live in. And so let's go to the first one. Uh, this is something that our scientists, and uh, <laughs> I'm not going to get political, um, this, it would do them well to, to, to be reminded of this. Curiosity. Some places remain unknown because no one has ventured forth. Others remain, um, others remain so because no one has ever come back. So, right? How about this one? Discouragement. 
because there's nothing standing between you and your goal but a total lack of talent and complete failure of will. So, uh, failure, when your best just isn't good enough. <laughs> and then finally, the fourth one, I like, this is my favorite one, optimism, the prelude to disappointment. So, um, so yeah, so that's, I thought those were, those were uh, COVID-appropriate demotivational uh, statements. All kidding aside, when I read Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 34, I cannot think of a more appropriate passage in the Bible for us today. Yeah, Jesus, just in verse 32, my, my brain has been stewing on this for 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 all week now, and as uh, fear not, well, why should I not have any fear? Well, here's why, because it's your Father's good pleasure. It is His delight to give you the kingdom. Now, how many of you, uh, you know, experience this with the giving of this? How many of you feel some level of excitement about the gift that you got somebody else, right? Maybe a child or your spouse or a friend, right? And you're like just looking forward for the, to them opening it. And, and maybe, maybe you're at the point where you're thinking, I, I just can't contain myself. I can't wait to see this. What Jesus is saying here, that that is the Father's experience for you and for me right now. That it is his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. And so to, to appreciate what Jesus is saying here, you need to kind of understand what he's already said in this chapter and what he has said in this chapter. In the first three verses, he warned about the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. There were some religious leaders that were all talk about how religious they were, and they were all about you know, putting on a good show for people to see them. But Jesus said later on, he said, inside they were like, they're full of dead men's bones. There were like whitewashed sepulchers filled with dead men's bones. And he says to his disciples in this context, in chapter 12, don't be like them. Don't be like them because this is, this is not as good as it gets in this life. There, there's something much, much more that's going on in your life and in the life to come. And in verses 4 through 12, he encouraged his disciples to not fear what those people, what people may do to your body or to fear death itself. He said, don't, don't fear what people can do to the body, but fear the one who has the power to destroy your body and your soul in hell. Now, this is not a fire and brimstone sermon. This is just this is, Jesus just said this. He, he said it, and, and then he goes on to tell his disciples in, in the form of a parable, he said it, just how stupid it is to think that you can take your stuff with you when you die or to live that way. Like, like he tells this parable uh, of this guy who wanted to build bigger barns. He said, look what I've done. I'm just going to build bigger barns. And, and um, the point of the parable is <clears throat> that guy was a fool. And then, uh, you know, I was, I was actually, it's not in my manuscript, but <clears throat> I was thinking of a story, and maybe you've heard me tell this story, but uh, every, reading that parable reminds me of a story of these three sons whose dad met with them and said, look, I'm going to die soon, and um, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to give you some money, and I want you to put it in the casket at my funeral. Like, I, I want you to put it with my dead body at my funeral. Okay? That's, that's in my will. That's what I want you to do. And, and the three sons said, okay. 
And so dad died, and then there was the funeral. And so at the funeral, um, as each son walked past the casket, they put an envelope uh, in the casket um, filled with stuff. And uh, at the end of the funeral, the sons gathered together. They huddled together, and they looked at each other. Well, the oldest son looked at the other two, two siblings, and he said, yeah, so did you guys, you guys honor dad's wishes? Did you do what he told you to do? And they're like, the one son said, yeah, well, yeah, well, we, did, we did that. And the uh, middle sibling asked the same question, and they were like, yeah, you know, I, I did that. You guys, did you, you do that? And, yeah, and then, and then they both looked at the youngest sibling, and they asked him, so did you do what dad asked you to do? And he said, well, yeah, of course I did. I deposited the money in my bank account, wrote him a check, and put it in the casket, right? <laughs> <laughs> there are no U-Hauls behind hearse. We're, we can't take it with us. And <clears throat> Jesus said that. He said, you, you, life is not about how big your bank account is. And then he goes on to say in these verses, verses 22 leading up to verse 32, he said, what is it, where are you going to do to you? I mean, what is it going to do for you? What is, it, what is your anxiety going to do for you? In fact, science tells us what anxiety really does for you is it robs you of your life. It will, it will, you get sick, uh, you'll, you, you may die early um, due to anxiety, you know, just being filled with stress. Jesus said, well, you know, my heavenly Father looks after the, the, the grass of the field, and yet you bear his image. Don't you think he's mindful of what you're experiencing today? And the point is not... You can just be comfortable and do nothing and be lazy. And the point is that Jesus was making in that statement was, yeah, at the end of the day, the one who holds your life in his hand is not you. You are not the captain of your ship. God is. And so, you know, look to him, trust him. And then he goes on to say, you know, for all the nations of the world seek after these things and, you know, what, what things? You just trying to take control of their life. We make sure they have everything that they need or want. He says, and he goes on to say, instead, seek his kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. What, a bigger bank account, a nicer car, a, a better house? No. No, what you really need is a relationship with the God of all creation. What you need is what he has in store for you. What you need is he's delighted to give you one day. And so <clears throat> there's that. And then verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Don't be anxious about your life, because it's His will to give you the kingdom. Don't worry about, you know, or don't fear what people can do to your body, because it is the Father's good will to give you the kingdom. Don't, don't, don't worry about, you know, to, trying to build a bigger house, because it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Seek Him. Or uh, I read a statement earlier this week that it was so good, and and just made me pause to think about my own life. And the statement was this. And it was a comment, somebody was commenting on these verses. He said this, Our worries, listen, our worries reveal the object of our worship. Our worries reveal the object of our worship. And I just, I read them like, okay, I need to think about that one. And at the heart of what Jesus says in these verses is who it is we worship and who it is we ultimately trust. And then he says, fear not. Your father's delighted 
He takes great delight in what, he's going to, what, he's, what he has in store for you. And what he has in store for you is, is heaven. Now, not just heaven like your disem, where your disembodied spirit goes after you breathe your last breath on planet earth, but heaven when God makes heaven and earth and brings them together and resurrects this earth and gives you a new body, that kind of heaven. But, but what we read in the Bible, I believe, is you know, those passages in the Bible just gives us just enough to know what heaven's going to be like, but doesn't give us every answer about what, heaven, what our experience in heaven will be. I was sharing this with the first service, and I'll share it again. Like I, at the risk of maybe hurting some feelings or maybe, maybe even making some of you angry, I, uh, anytime I see a new book pop up in the Christian bookstore or, or online of some kid or some person who died and went to heaven and this is their experience, that raises all kinds of red flags for me. Because um, if God wanted, you know, what God wants you to know about heaven is in this book. Like Edwards, Jonathan Edwards, who I, I you know, he was a, lived in the 1700s, he, he was a fantastic pastor, a great theologian, but he said something that gives me pause about, about us trying to wrap our minds around heaven. He said this, he said, to attempt to talk about the ecstasy, joy, and singing in glory is like casting dark shadows over the reality of heaven. All the best descriptions that we can come up with falls far short of its present reality. The Bible has given us just about all our imaginations can handle. Like, yeah, I agree with that. Um, Jesus, Jesus said, hey, there's so much that God has for you, and he is excited about giving it to you. It's his great pleasure to give you the kingdom. So what I want to do is I just want to break this up into two, two parts, really. And just, let's, I just want to just briefly focus on heaven today. And I've already talked about this in the past when we did our Daniel series. But I want to talk about this kingdom that's coming on earth uh, just to, to, to hopefully help you be excited about what God has in store for his people. But the first thing I need to say is this, is that when we die, this is what happens. We stand before, we, are all, we immediately stand before God and we are judged. There's a judgment. And the Bible says that that judgment will either lead to heaven, where you're welcomed into heaven, God welcomes you into heaven, or you were, you were cast from the presence of God and you spend eternity in hell. Now, this is not a fire and brimstone sermon, but if you're going to understand anything about heaven, you need to understand the fact that there is a hell. And what happens at the point of death is not purgatory. It's not some, some, some halfway point. It's, it's what happens is you die and you face the judgment. In fact, the Bible says it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. And um, for the person who's never placed their faith and trust in Jesus, for the person who's like the Pharisees uh, that Jesus was warning about, you know, that, that you play the religious game, but really your heart doesn't really, you, 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 have, you, you don't really love God. You don't. When you stand before God, you will find yourself condemned to hell. And Jesus described that place as a place of utter darkness and weeping and gnashing of teeth, not a place where you hang out with your friends. Um, it's a place of utter darkness and weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that's just stage one. And then stage two of hell is the lake of fire. 
But for the Christian, um, we enter into the presence of God. Paul, the apostle, right? When he, he frequently, his life was always you know, threatened as a, as a Christian. Uh, people were just angry with him for preaching the gospel, and, and, um, and they couldn't, there were a lot of people who couldn't stand him. Well, he wrote this little letter called Philippians, and he wrote it to this, this church in Philippi. Uh, and, and when he wrote it, he wrote it while he was in prison, not knowing how his life was going to end. Because there was, there, there was talk about him being killed. And it's because Paul was a Roman citizen, he didn't have to worry about death by crucifixion, crucifixion but it was death by beheading. And that's actually eventually how Paul the Apostle died. He died by having his head removed from his body. And he, he said in that letter, I'm not sure how this is going to turn out for me. I'm not sure if, there, if I'm going to die in prison or if, if I'm going to be let go. But this is what he said in Philippians chapter 1. He said, For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Well, why would he say something like that? Because he knew that if uh, the moment they took his head, removed his head from his body, he would be in the presence of Jesus Christ. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, because if I die, I'm in his presence, for that is far better. And he wasn't saying that because, oh, I get to see my loved ones you know, after I die. He's saying it because when I die, I get to be in the presence of Christ, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account, meaning I, I, I feel like there's a need for me to be in your life still, that, I, that you need to be discipled, you need to be mentored, you need to be encouraged. And so whatever the Lord chooses, I'm, I'm good with, is pretty much what he said in that letter. In his letter to the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians, he talks about another experience. And so to understand a little bit about the Corinthian church, they're a pretty messed up church. There are all kinds of issues going on in the church. And Paul said, you know, I don't want to boast about myself because you guys got an issue about boasting. I don't want to boast about myself, but let me tell you about this person. Wink, wink, nod, nod. <laughs> I think he's describing himself in, 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 this, um, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I think the thing that he describes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 was something that he experienced in, that we read about in Acts chapter 14. In Acts chapter 14, we read about the Apostle Paul going into a city preaching the gospel, and the people got so angry with him that they stoned him. Now, I don't know how much you know about stoning, but there are big rocks that people would throw at your head for the purpose of killing you. And we're told in that story that they, they did that and they drug Paul's body out of the city and left him there. Why did they leave him there? Because by all accounts, he was dead. They deemed that he was dead. We, we accomplished our task. And then uh, Paul's friends surrounded him and we're told he got up and walked back in the city. Now, I don't know about you. Like, I'm all for experiencing a miracle. But stoning, I think, hurts really bad. And so for me, I would have been like, okay, that's good. I'm not going back there. I'll, I'll go somewhere else. Paul went back into the city and continued preaching. And people wound up giving their lives to Jesus as a result. Um, Paul describes, I think, that experience. I'm going to read it for you. It says, now I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. 
what, what's the third heaven? The heaven of the presence of God, not the galaxies, not Pluto, heaven. Um, whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard, what did he hear? Inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. Now I read that, I'm like, yeah, and, I, and then somebody you know, publishes a book about their experience in heaven, and I'm like, oh, man, I don't know. Paul said he heard things that he's not allowed to talk about. Um, we're given glimpses of heaven all throughout the Bible, like Isaiah chapter 6 is all in my manuscript if you want to check it out. I have verse references, but Isaiah 6, Ezekiel chapter 1, Revelation chapter 4, chapter 5. In fact, all of Revelation, there are glimpses of heaven. Um, but the one passage that, that you know, I want to read for you that gives us a description of heaven that, that, um, that I think is helpful is in Revelation chapter 7. The words will not be on the screen but you can follow along or I can read it for you. So the Apostle John describes what he sees, and what he sees are these Christians who were murdered for their faith in Jesus. And they were crying out, how long, how long do we have to wait for you to balance the scales of justice? And God said, until the number, your number is complete. I have others who are going to die for their faith, and when that number is complete, then I will balance the scales of justice. I will... I will um, uh, I'll address this, this wrong that you've experienced. So he goes on. So in verse 9, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and, and, and before the Lamb, uh, like they're worshiping God. And um, it's an awesome experience that they're, that they're, that they're experiencing here. Uh, in case you're wondering, hey, um, you know, I'm all good about heaven, but man, are we going to be naked in heaven? <laughs> Have you ever? Maybe that's the only question I ask. Maybe, maybe I'm just weird. Um, but but it, no, actually, you won't, you won't be because they're clothed in white garments, we're told, with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice. They sing, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they all fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Like, that's happening right now in heaven. And, and then John continues to say, Hey, and then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Hey, who are these clothed in white robes? Kind of a rhetorical question. And, and from where have they come? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple, and he sits on the throne. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb is in the midst of the throne, will, will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to the springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Meaning, he, he says, look, this is, your, this is what you experienced. You were murdered. You, you're in the presence of God. I will... I will vindicate you, and there's coming a day where I wipe away your, every tear from your eyes. That's a description of heaven today. I think that's something my, my dad gets to, get to, gets to see. 
who is in heaven, my father-in-law and my mother-in-law who are in heaven. I get the, they get to experience these kind of things in heaven. But there's something even better. Like heaven, the, the heaven that's described for us in chapter 7 of Revelation is temporary. Like that's not the permanent way, it's not a permanent heaven. God is going to bring heaven and earth together and the way he's going to do that, he's going to resurrect this earth just like he's going to resurrect your body and my body. Um, it will be like the Garden of Eden, but 10 trillion times better. And, and so that's the kingdom that Jesus was talking about, that the Father is, is delighted to give to his people. So God gives the kingdom on earth. That's the second, uh, the, the second thing I want to talk about. We're told in the Bible uh, that a day is coming when the heavens will be opened and the mountains will shake, for God will make his dwelling place with mankind. Like that is going to happen. And um, we're told that we will see God's face, and um, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. The new earth will not be new like, the, like, like in the way you trade in your used car so that you can afford a new one. God's not trading in earth and then getting a new earth. He is resurrecting it. That's his plan. He's going to resurrect it. You know what that says? It says it's going to be... It's going to be amazing. Like, how many of you um, like to camp? Okay, so like 90% of the church. I am not one of you, I'm sorry. Like, my idea of camping is go to a hotel and uh, in a nice warm bed, and if they have a pool, then I'm living, right? Like, like um, my friend described, and this, is gonna, this might offend you, my friend described, I had a friend who described camping as, he said, why would I want to pay money to pretend I'm homeless for a weekend? And... Um, I'm like, you get it. Like, I feel that way. Uh, but here, here we go. Here's the encouragement, the encouraging piece of this, right? Um, when God resurrects the earth, there will be mountains. There will be fields. You will run through fields. You'll climb, you'll climb hills. You'll climb mountains. You'll, there will be rivers. It will be, it will be like Eden, but so much better. And you will have a physical body, not this old thing that keeps, you know, breaks down, right? Like, like I, I'm in uh, American Kempo. That's the thing I like to do on the side. And, and uh, I was getting ready to test for my next belt, and I was warming up. And you know what happened? I was doing a sidekick, and I jacked up my hip. Why? Because this earth suit is breaking down, right? Like I was hobbling through the whole test. I'm like, man, this really hurts. And then, and then I figured, you know, I went home, and I put ice on it. And you know what happened? Nothing. Like, I got up the next morning, and it was, it was still bothering me. Like, like, why? Because this body is breaking down. God's going to resurrect this body one day. He's going to resurrect your body. And then he's going to resurrect earth, and he's going to make it all new. It's going to be awesome. How is he going to do it? Well, the Bible says he's going to purge the earth with fire. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10 says, the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. And, and why will he do it that way? Because he's going to resurrect the earth. He's going to make it new. Jesus described the events leading up to that in uh, Luke chapter 21. He says, And there will be signs in the sun and moon and stars, and on the earth... Um, 
distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the earth or on the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then, Jesus says, and then they will see the Son of Man, Jesus, coming in the clouds with power and great glory. And then he will make all things new. It will balance the scales of justice, and it will be amazing. And we're giving like little snippets of what that experience will be like when God makes all things new, when heaven and earth become one. In Isaiah chapter 11, it says, The wolf will, will, dwell, down, will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. I don't know like, if, if some of this is metaphorical or if this is all literal, but what I do know is that it's going to be awesome. That's what I know. It's going to be awesome. Uh, we're told later, the nursing child uh, shall play over the whole of the cobra. This is all in Isaiah chapter 11. Um, and the weaned child shall put his hand over the, the, the viper's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. God is going to resurrect this earth. Um, he's going to resurrect this earth. And so Jesus, Jesus said, Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Like, this is not as good as it gets. It gets infinitely better. Like, how many of you are, are, are 70 years of age or older? I know, it's a bad question to ask, but how fast has life gone by? Way fast. Like, I was sharing this in the first service. My, my, our oldest son is going to be 21 on Thursday. What happened? <laughs> like, yes, it feels like yesterday he was on my chest and I was reading seminary books. You know, um, he was like that big. And now he's over 200 pounds, right? Like, like, what happened? Life happened. How fast did it go by? Very fast. The Bible says that life is like, well, in James it says, you know, okay, come now you who say tomorrow we're going to do this and we're going to do that and, you know, three months from now we're going to do this. He said, don't you know that your life is like a vapor? It's here and it's gone, right? And, and anybody who's older than you will tell you that. Um, it does not slow down. And, and, and we read this verse in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5. It's actually verse 4. I have a typo. Do it. Yeah, um, that should be 5 verse 4. Let's read this out loud. Ready? What is mortal will swallowed up by life. What is mortal will be swallowed up by what? Life. Um, that's going to be our experience. Like you, listen, all of us are experiencing a slow death from the moment of birth. <laughs> like, oh, well, that's encouraging. No, it's not. <laughs> like, I just told you, I got up this morning, my hip still was bothering me. Like, I'm reminded of it. That's why the Bible says um, all of creation is groaning. Why are they groaning? I think they're just asking, when will this end? <laughs> when, when will this experience of dying end and, and all things will be made new. Because when God makes all things new, the experience will be life. Not suffering, not death, not pain, life. And Jesus said, Jesus said, fear not. Fear not. Like, what are they going to do? Like, like what, if somebody threatens your life, what, are they, what can they really do to you? What, what can cancer really do to you? What can COVID really do to you? Yeah, okay, so you might die. 
But what's next? It is my Father's delight, it is my Father's good pleasure to give you this kingdom where there will be no death, there will be no sickness, there will be none of that. And, it, and it's so amazing and so awesome that, that present day heaven is temporary because of what he's going to give to you and to me. It will be our experience. And we're told that we will see God face to face. I, I yeah, you know, I don't know if you had the, I'm sure you had the privilege or, or the, the pleasure of just seeing, you know, somebody who's giving you this gift. They're just so giddy about this gift that they've given you, and, and you could see it on their face. They're just, there's just delight all over their face about what you're going to open up. And I think we're told in Revelation that we're going to see the face of God um, and that's one of the reasons why we're told that. He, we're going to see the delight on his face in giving us the kingdom. Not because we're the center of his universe, but because we get to experience him um, the way that we're designed to experience him. And we will run through fields, and we will climb mountains, and we will swim in rivers, and it will be amazing. There will be no death. It will be awesome. Um, that will be the time where God will finally wipe away every tear from our eyes. Because death, mourning, crying, or pain will not be a part of the human experience any longer. Can I, can I get an amen from that one? Like, I, I can't wait for that. We will all know a joy unparalleled to any other experience that we experienced in this lifetime. It will be unending. In Revelation chapter 22, verses 3 through 5, we're giving another glimpse of what life will be like on that day when God gives us the kingdom. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him, and they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will, will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun. The Lord God will be their light and they will reign for how long? Forever and ever. How long is that? Forever, right? Like forever, like that's going to be our experience. Um, and this is why Jesus says, fear not, fear not. Why? Why should you not fear the person who, wants to, who threatens your life? Why, why, you know, why should you not be a hypocrite? When it comes to the things that you read in the Bible, why, why, why should you not seek to build bigger barns or bigger homes or fill your bank account to the point of just, you know, unending supply of of of, uh, of money? Why, like, why should you chase? Why should you not chase after the wealth of this world? Why, why do you have no real need to worry about tomorrow? Because it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's why. Um, in Isaiah, another passage in Isaiah chapter um, 35, verse 10. Let's read this together. Ready? And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Any of you sighed this week? <laughs> yeah. Like this morning, <laughs> like ah. 
Um, there's coming a day where sighing and sorrow will flee away. Fear not. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And so what should be our response? Well, if this is true, if it is God's good pleasure to give us the kingdom, if everything I just read for you in the Bible that we looked at together in the Bible is true, and that is our inheritance, that is ours because of your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if that is true, not only do we have, do, we have no need to fear, but, um, but we should be able to hold everything in our lives with an open hand. Not like this, but with an open hand. That's what Jesus says in verse 33. Just after he said, hey, fear not. It's God's pleasure to give you the kingdom. So, sell your possessions and give them to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And, um, you know, Randy Alcorn said something that uh, gives me pause. He said... You know, most people, the most people, um, the goal of getting to, well, this is what he says. He says, the goal of getting to heaven is worthy of greater advanced planning than we would give any other journey. And then this is what he says. He said, yet some people spend far more time preparing for a trip to Disney World than they do for what God has in store for those who are his people. Think about that. Picture your life like a line, this line. Um, like not just life on this side of eternity, but life in eternity. It's just this one continuous line. And now, if you, if you picture that in your mind, okay, so you got that, that figure in your mind, or that picture in your mind, and then take a dot, just, just a, a, a dot, and just put that anywhere on the line. And that is your 70 to 80 years of life. And yet we invest most of our resources in the dot instead of this thing that Jesus promised us, the Jesus who rose from the grave, the Jesus who said, I'm coming again, this Jesus who says, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Christmas is definitely about this child who was born of a virgin who's, you know, on that first Christmas night, he was placed in a manger, and he was, he was wrapped in swallowing clothes. And then, and, um, and then he, as he grew up, he lived this perfect life that we could not live, and he died a death that uh, we all deserved under the wrath of God on a Roman cross. Jesus experienced that for you and for me. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. But, um, but it's so much more than that. It is, it is like, it, 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 it is... The, you know, being able to be in the presence of God. It is seeing the face of God. It is experiencing a new heaven and a new earth. You know why it is the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom? Because everything that hinders our experience of him now will be, will be removed. And when he makes all things new, we get 
God, right? That was the first sermon in the series. We get God the Father. We get to see him face to face. We get to see his delight on his face. We get Jesus the Son. We get the Holy Spirit who is sustaining and, and, and keeping you now. We, we, get, we get to experience that. And then we, we, we get the church. Like you and I get the church. And then as we, as we looked at the previous sermon, as the church, God sends us into the world. Why? Because the world needs to hear this really great news. And then God gives us the kingdom. And we get to experience it forever and ever and ever. And um, that, is why, that is why we have fairy tales in our stories. They're all just but a shadow of the true fairy tale that we will all experience if you place your faith and trust in Jesus, where we will where we will have our own, in the presence of God, a happily ever after. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. God, I lift, for, I lift up anybody in this room who's not yet placed their faith and trust in Jesus. Maybe they're just trying to figure out who you are or what does it mean to follow Jesus or just not quite sure. God, I just ask that everything that they, that they heard today, everything that we sang about today, like everything about today would just... God, that you would just meet them where, they're, where they are at with that message and that they would hear these words, that, that your gift, the gift of your son is free. It's free to be received by faith through grace because it's not anything that we have done to earn Jesus. It is, in fact, we've, we, we don't deserve, never deserved him, but you, out of your great love, have given your son so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we can know what it is to be a son or a daughter of you. So that on a day that is yet to come and is sure to come, that we will see your face as you give us the kingdom. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, have a great rest of the week. Look forward to seeing you on Christmas Eve if you can make it. Um, and if you need to talk afterwards, I'm always available. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.